So I want to I begin this morning with a question. Um, I've asked this question, I ask this question a lot and I get interesting answers from people. But I want to ask you this question this morning. I want you to think about it. Imagine that you received a message from Jesus by text or by email, Facebook or by phone. And Jesus says, it's urgent that you contact me immediately. I have some things I want to talk with you about. We need to talk. Exclamation point. How would you feel about that? And so you call up Jesus on the phone and say, Jesus, what do you want? He says, well, we're going to have to discuss this in person. I'd like to meet you on Wednesday at Starbucks and uh, have a cup of coffee so we can talk about it. I'd love to meet with you face to face. How would you feel about that? In the first service, uh, one of the women said, I'm not going, but I'm sending my husband. <laughs> well, you might feel like most people. You'd probably feel a bit anxious, wouldn't you? Maybe a bit nervous. Now imagine you're sitting there in a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Jesus, and you're sitting so close to one another that your knees are actually touching. And you're nervous, and you're just having this sort of banter back and forth, you know, How's the weather in heaven? Well, the weather here's, you know, this sort of in hot in Louisville, you know. Have you been to the Muhammad Ali Museum? You know, that sort of little back and forth conversation. And finally, Jesus goes, okay, okay. He leans over the table, puts his coffee down and said, I have some things I need to tell you. What do you think you'd say? Do you think you might say, well, I had to come down and meet with you because I just got to be really honest I'm just really disappointed in the amount of effort you're putting in right now. In fact, you're not really measuring up to my expectations. And I have to be just really clear with you. I'm just getting tired of forgiving the same old sins over and over again. You either need to stop what you're doing or create some new ones to keep me a little interested. But I, I, all joking aside, I just got to tell you, you're not measuring up. And if you're a better Christian, you wouldn't be doing these things. If you're a better Christian, these bad things wouldn't be happening to you. And i got to tell you, if you don't straighten yourself up, we're done. So here's my to-do list. Here's my five things you need to do to get back in my good graces. Here are the five things you need to do before you can take communion again. Here are the five things you need to do to make sure that you got heaven locked up because right now, what do you think it might be like? Now, we might think that's a bit ridiculous. We might even think that that's a bit funny to even think that way. Um, but the truth is that every one of us, we carry around a little bit of baggage. You don't have to scratch too hard to get beneath the surface and discover that we're all carrying some level of guilt, some level of fear, some level of shame. And for some reason, no matter how much we hear that Jesus is good and, and that he loves us, we still feel like we would be anxious having a conversation with Jesus like that because we feel like that for some reason or another, we've been told that maybe that God is against us. I don't know where we get the idea that God is kind of like a traffic cop who's just waiting to give us a ticket. Or we get the idea that God is like a judge just waiting to, give, to, to lay down the hammer, to throw the book at us. I don't know where we get that idea. Because Jesus himself didn't say that. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he came to save it 
not to condemn it. And was it the Apostle Paul? Remember in that wonderful chapter in the book of Romans, chapter 8, where Paul said, if God is for us, then who is against us? For there's nothing that can ever separate us from the love of God, not even our guilt or shame. So, so I would challenge you to pick up the New Testament and read the Gospels for yourself. Read the Gospels, and nowhere in the Gospels will you hear Jesus say, I'm so disappointed in you. I'm tired of forgiving the same old sins. If you don't change the way you're operating and start doing things a little bit differently, I'm afraid I'm going to have to walk away on this project. I'm not going to be able to recommend you to my Father in heaven, and I don't think we're going to make room for you up here, and you're going to be on your own. I, I don't think you're going to find that anywhere in one of his conversations with anybody. And nowhere did, I don't know where we get this idea. I hear this all the time. I don't know what's happening to me. I must have done something that was wrong because if I were a better Christian, these things wouldn't be happening to me. Jesus never said that to anyone. He did never said to anyone, look, God's punishing you for what you've done. Oh, Jesus is the author of new life. Jesus is the author of hope. Jesus didn't come down from heaven and say, come to me, all you who are really worn out by life, and I'm going to give you a list of things to do to win my approval. He never said, come to me, and I'm going to weigh you down with a bunch of religious rules and rites and rituals and keep you at a distance from me until you get it right, and then maybe our conversation over lunch will be nice. He didn't say that. This is what he said. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What's he talking about? He's talking about anxiety, worry, fear. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what that is? That is the G-O-S-P-E-L, the gospel. Jesus didn't come to add to our burdens. He came to remove them. Jesus didn't come to shackle us and chain us down to dead-end, soul-killing religion, but to set us free. Jesus is the life and giver, the life giver, the hope inspire, the hope building savior of the world for all people. Now, now when I, whenever I preach a sermon, which seems like every week for 3,000 years, I gotta, I'm running a little bit of fumes this morning. Just been preaching a long time. So this text meant a lot to me this week. But whenever I, I read two texts, two texts every week when I preach, I read the biblical text. And then I read a second text. And you know what the second text is? People. I hear and have conversations with people. So I got this scripture in my heart all week. And I just, Lord, where is this, this text going to mean something? And then I listen to people's stories. And one day I had these two conversations. I met with a man who had had a tragic thing happen in his family. He told me when I spoke to him, he said, David, he said, I just don't feel anything anymore. I said, why? 
He said, because of what's happened in my family, with a member of my family, I've had to protect my heart. I've been hurt over and over and over again. I have formed a protective blister over my heart, and it's been forming for 20 years. He said, my, my emotion, it has stunted my emotional and my spiritual growth. And he said, I don't feel anything because of it. I don't let anybody get close to me. I've never married, never been in love. I don't have close friends. I don't own a home. My life is on hold. I don't feel anything. Later in the day, I was work, walking through um, um, Third Turn, which is in uh, J-Town. We have a group of runners that meet there on Thursdays. I was walking through, and there they know me as Pastor Dave. I'm walking through. Someone introduced me as someone as Pastor Dave. And then I heard a story, a different kind of story. And basically the story was everything in my life has turned out to be what I didn't expect. Everything that gave me comfort and strength has been taken from me. I don't know where I belong anymore. I look back at my past and I'm filled with so much regret. I don't know where to go or what to do. I just hurt. And I hurt all the time. So here I was with two conversations in one day. I don't feel anything. I feel everything. And then I remembered the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are burdened and weary, who don't feel anything, and those who feel everything. Take out your bulletin guide. Help me out here. Take out your bulletin guide. I want to make this incredibly personal. I want to apply this to you. I've spoken about two people. I want to put your story in the gospel story. So put your name in there. Look here, it says, come to me. I, I want you to understand how personal this is. Write your name in the blank. This is a very personal invitation to you. Come to me, David. Put your name in there. Look at the invitation. It's a personal invitation. It's not an invitation to join a church. It's not an invitation to uh, a belief system. It's not an invitation to an ideology, it's not an invitation to a rule book, it's not an invitation to a ritual, it's an invitation to a relationship with God who knows your name. Did you know that God knows your name? When you were born, it wasn't just a doctor and a nurse, a mother and a father in the room, it was God in the room with you too. Who do you think put that first breath into your lungs? but the one who made you and created you. Now take a look at that word. It says, all you who are weary and burdened. Let's play around with that word weary. There's a second blank in your box, and I want to give you some choices. It doesn't have to be just the word weary. Maybe you're feeling something else this morning. Maybe you're angry. What do you need to write in the box? Are you worried, discouraged, disappointed, scared, left out? overwhelmed. Maybe you're just bored, empty, weary, seeking, sad, bitter, lost, questioning. Maybe you're just uncertain. Come to me, all who are worried, discouraged, left out. You see, Jesus doesn't just, I love this passage, because Jesus doesn't just diagnose our condition the gospel addresses us with a solution. He offers us something hopeful. And take a look now. There's a third blank I've offered there for you, and I've 
It says here he will give you rest, but what does rest mean? Rest can mean a lot of different things. What does rest mean and look like for you? Does it look like relief? Does it look like encouragement or joy or peace? Courage, purpose, assurance. I'm uncertain about my future. Give me assurance. Or maybe you just need hope. Last night I was having dinner with my wife and... uh, I was telling her, I said, I, I'm, I feel like I, I'm just tired. You know, I've been preaching a long time. I preach uh, four times, you know, and I feel like I'm at the end of a preaching cycle. I'm going to take a break or whatever. And I said, I'm not so sure about the sermon Sunday morning. Uh, well, here we are. We're doing it right now, are we? And uh, she said, just, just do what you always do, David. Give people hope. She said, you're a hope giver. Just give hope. Everybody needs hope. Maybe it's faith or forgiveness or rest or perseverance. A lot of people just, a lot of people just feel unloved. Can't tell you how many older people I meet um, who, you know, they raise their kids and their kids are grown and gone. They're, they've lost their friends and they just kind of feel unloved. I see sometimes how older people are treated in stores. It's like they're, they, they're just invisible sometimes. That doesn't mean it's right. I'm just describing what is. What is it that you need? So let's go back and look at it again. Let's make it really personal. Look at the scripture. Come to me. What did you write? You wrote your name in there. All you who are weary. What is, what is the burden that's making you weary? And what is it that you need? That's what come to me means. What come to me means, it means taking the thing that you're carrying, taking the burden that you're feeling, and knowing that God is not some impersonal book of rules, but that God is real, that the God of all creation became a human being and walked among us in human flesh and now is our Savior, is now is our friend, is now is our shepherd, is now is our light, who is now is our hope-inspiring, life-giving Relief and burden-lifting Savior. So you're abused as a child and you feel it difficult to love and trust others. Jesus wants your burden. You have children and you're worried about them and some decisions that they made. And you, you can't sleep at night because you're worried about your kids. Jesus says, give me your burden. You lost your wife, your husband, your life partner that slept next to you for 50 years. And you're lonely Jesus says, give me your burden. You're angry, and no matter what you do, you just can't put out the fire, the anger in your heart. You're angry and bitter. Jesus says, give me your burden. You're worried. Jesus says, give me your burden. You've made a terrible mistake in your family. You've hurt people that you love, and people that you love are having a hard time forgiving you, and you don't know how to make it right. Jesus says, give me your burden. You you failed in some way in a relationship or on your job, some way that was embarrassing to you and you're ashamed. Jesus says, give me your burden. You, you, You have a protective blister over your heart and you're protecting your heart from hurt and pain and know that you, you, don't, you don't want to live that way anymore, but you don't want to do. Jesus says, give me your burden. Or all you do is feel pain all the time and you're looking back. Jesus says, give me your burden and I will give you your future. This is the same Jesus who walked up to a grave where there was a stone in front of the grave. He said, roll back the stone. But they said, the man's been in there for four days. He's dead. He is beyond dead. 
And Jesus said, come out. Lazarus, come out. He's the life-giving, hope-inspiring, burden-lifting Savior. And if you feel like it's a to-do list, if your faith is like a to-do list, it's, if it gives you more burdens, if it chains you down to something, it's not the gospel. Look at what he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. A yoke means, a yoke is, um, it's a teaching. It's like what they would put on an ox uh, to plow a field. And the yoke would be the teaching of a rabbi. And I love this because in that time, the law was very, very restrictive. It was very, very shame, shaming. It was more focused on what was wrong with you as opposed to what was right with you. At that time, there were more than 600 laws regarding how you obeyed the Sabbath. And it was focused on, on uh, behavior modification. And Jesus says, hey, look for me. My teaching is something different. I'm not going to weigh you down. In Matthew 23, 4, Jesus says, you religious leaders... You tie burdens on men and women's backs and you weigh them down. He said, I've come to lift burdens. You do nothing to lift their burdens. And he says, take my teaching upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And I love this last part. And you will find rest. Not just rest, but rest for what? Your soul, the essence of who you are as people. And this is something bigger because here's what's wrong with rule-based religion. You know what's wrong with rule-based religion? Rule-based religion is about fear and manipulation and coercion because what it does is it forces you to change your behavior on the outside, but on the inside you never change. But the kind of change that Jesus wants to bring about in your life is so that you're not constantly under this weight and this burden, but instead you're flourishing, you're thriving, because what's happened is Jesus has entered your life and he's transforming you from the inside out. So you don't have to try to be good. It's just who you are. That's the gospel. He said, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest.